0: Today on the Small Church Media Podcast, we are going to be having a conversation around your church website and specifically around figuring out if your website is even doing its jobs. Did you know that your website has a job to do? Well, (laughs) it does. And in a bit, we're going to go through the four tests that you need to put your website through and also talk about a free tool that I created for you guys to test and see if your website passes these four tests. Sound good? Good. Let's get it This is the Small Church Media Podcast with Mark Hyde Well what is up everybody and welcome to Holy Week We've been talking about this and giving you guys the update About how many days are left till Easter Well at this point If you're not ready for Easter, I think we got a bigger problem on our hands. We are officially in Holy Week. We got Monday, Thursday coming up here in two days. Good Friday, which I accidentally call Black Friday, pretty much all the time, and my wife yells at me for it. She doesn't really yell at me, more like, "Come on, Morgan, get your facts straight." Which, let's just be honest, though, Good Friday was not a Good Friday back in the disciples' days. All right, they their their Messiah just died. It was a black. Friday for them. But then we had Silent Saturday, and then Resurrection Morning, Resurrection Sunday. The uh, I would say, the not even the plateau, but pretty much the climactic experience and moment for Christianity, because this is the day when Jesus rose again from the dead, where we get to celebrate our resurrected Savior. I know you're looking forward to your Easter weekend services, and I hope I was able to come alongside you this Easter season and help you, A, get ready for your Easter service and Easter Season, but also B, provide you some good graphical content for your church as well. Hit me up and, and let me know about this. If you enjoyed the Easter, uh, the boho graphic, or the bright Easter graphic package, please reach out to me and let me know. I would love to be able to connect with you and just hear all the really cool, positive things that you were actually able to do and accomplish using that resource. But if there was also, you're like, okay, well, Mark, you know, it really wasn't the greatest resource. You could have done this a little bit better. You could have done this a a little bit better. I would love to hear that feedback as well. Hit me up. Check this out. We have an official email for the podcast now, guys. Whoop, whoop. It's hello at smallchurch.media. You don't need to use my personal email anymore at hello at markai.com. It's just hello at smallchurch.media. Hit me up over there on the email and let me know how you used it. Feel free to tag me in any post that you had. I'd love to see how you used that resource. But if there is ways I can improve that resource, because I'm planning on, you know, side note, dropping out more resources as the days go on. Please let me know what you would like to see better or different just so I can make sure I'm serving you and your church well. Speaking of giving me feedback on things, I would love if you give me a little feedback on the show as well. I say this literally every single stinking week, and some of y'all still need to do this. I If you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave me a rating and review over there. If you listen to me over on Spotify, leave a rating there. Or if the platform you use, including Pandora, lets you leave a rating and review, please help me do that. It just you know helps the algorithms know that y'all are listening, y'all are enjoying the show, and you would love for more people to actually engage with the show. One more order of housekeeping before we jump into today's conversation is we also officially have an email list for the small church media podcast and not just the small church media podcast but small church general in general and so the question is okay Mark so why do we have an email chain I already have my email box full of junk why do I want to add you in there too because here's the deal all right I want to provide you with many tips tricks and resources that I possibly can if I come along some uh, come along you know and see something I think hey this would be really a useful Tool for you guys. I want to be able to send it to your way as quickly and as humanly possible. Or if there was in like a, a mess up with one of the resources, like something I discovered, not really discovered, but something I was like, ooh, I probably should fix that. Is on all the Easter graphics. I know some of you guys were asking about what fonts did I use for those because they were they I didn't give you any fonts with that because they were premium font files. I included that in email. Hey, here's the fonts that I use for Easter, like the Easter graphics, so that way you can use them if you want to as well. Or if I create a new resource or a new social media graphics pack or a new sermon series pack, I would love to notify you of ha- is actually going down. So here's how you actually sign up to make sure you never miss an email. The first way is when you download something from the free resource library. At the very end, you will be able to create an account. That's one way to do it. Another way, if you go to smallchurch.media and at the very top, you click my account and register for an account, that will get you an email chain as well. Or there will be a little pop-up that, you know, pops up on the bottom left-hand side of your screen, type in your first name, type in your email, boom. You are golden and you are officially on the email chain for the Small Church Media Podcast. I said I had one more housekeeping. That was the last one. I guess this is the last one. We're going to try to keep this actual episode a little bit shorter and more streamlined and to the point because we've been going, you know, a little longer. We got to bring it back in because the original purpose of this podcast was 10 minutes or less, which we don't even try to do that anymore. But I want to make sure we get this resource and content into your ears as, as efficiently, not quickly, but efficiently as, as we can do it. So you ready to get started with this conversation? Cool. Let's do it. So you might be thinking that it seems like I am always talking about your church website, and the answer is yes, I am always talking about your church website, and why is that? It's because your church website is your number one online resource and online tool for people finding your church. In my opinion, it's more effective than social media. It's more relevant than a newspaper ad. It's actually more um, cheaper and efficient than doing mail-out flyers to your community. And it's the one place where people will actually go, guaranteed go, before they ever walk into your church doors. Your church website is the front now, I would say the now official front door into your church. And I can guarantee that before someone walks into your building, they're gonna Google you. They wanna figure out what your church is all about. And one of the really big hurdles and handicaps that people might have by showing up to your church is the way your church website looks, functions, behaves, or if you even have a church website. Because if your website is trash, people Will not have a good first opinion of you. They might have a bad taste in their mouth and they might not even want to show up on a Sunday because if your website looks like it was built for grandma, well, day 20, they don't want to go to grandma's church. So you need to make sure your website is in such good shape that whenever someone comes to your website, you are ready for them. In the same way that you want to man your church doors and your welcome desk to make sure that you are ready for new guests and new visitors. Your church website also needs to be prepared and set up to handle new visitors as well. On this podcast, we've covered a lot of different topics about your website, such as the types of photos you need on your website, the main section you should have on your church website homepage, and even some of the pages that most people forget about that you need to have on your website. And we will continue to have more conversations about your church website on this podcast, including how to make sure it gets found on Google. But but, but either way, that's not what we're here to talk about. The reality of your church website is this. People are going to go there and look at it And based on what they see, they might actually judge your church based on that. But here's the reality of websites, all right? Every website is gonna look different. And there are so many things that are literally preference-related and preference and bias-based when it comes to a website. Like, I could think a website is amazing. I go, this is dope, this is awesome. And you might look at it and go, that's awful. What, what, do you, what, what, what is that? I don't know what that is. Or I can go on a church, or not a church, I can just go on a, any website and go, I don't know how to find things on this website. And you might hop on there and go, oh, this is a piece of cake. We got this. No problem at all. There's so much wiggle room when it comes to websites in general, not just church websites, but websites in general. However, there are certain things about a website that are universal, and if I can say so, must-haves in order for your website to perform well and make sure that it's doing its job. Because if you're putting money into a website, you gotta make sure, well, even this way, if you put putting into an employee, you wanna make sure they're doing their job and you're not wasting your time or your money. You wanna make sure your website is not wasting your, <laughs> wasting your time or your money too, because your website has a job to do. And what is that job? It's to get people the information that they need And not just leave them there, but convince them that they need to come and attend a worship service or some other ministry or some other church-related event, because your church website is not just a, hey, here's all of our content, but it really is a form of an invite card to get people to come to your services. And today, we're going to be talking about the four tests that you can put your, not just like a professional or a computer or an AI-simulated things, but literally four tests that you personally. personally can put your website through to make sure that it's doing its job and doing its job well. And I want to say to the top of the episode, I'll revisit this at the back of the episode, but I've actually created a free PDF download resource that you can get right now over at smallchurch.media that walks you through each of these four tests. And you can find it on our free resources tab over on the website. And we'll go through that resource a little bit at the end. I have it printed out sitting right in front of me so I can make sure I'm seeing what you are seeing, but we'll get back to that later, All right? Let's get into the four tests that you need to put your website through to make sure that it's doing its job. Test number one, is it ready for mobile viewing? You know, one study that I read says that over half of all internet searches happen on a mobile device. But I think that statistic is actually, well, I don't think it's wrong, but I think its parameters are too wide because there's a lot of us, me included, who I use my computer for work. So I'm doing Google searches on my computer all the time for work. And I'm sure you and many other people also do that. But most I would say device usage does not happen on a computer anymore. It primarily happens on a phone, which means that when people are looking for your church website, specifically when they drive past your building and they're on the go, they see some sort of an invite card, they see something related to your church, they're gonna try to figure out your website and figure out what you are all about, which means that, yes, people might land it on the computer, people might land on it on a landscape iPad, but chances are people are gonna find your website and look at it using their phone. And so you have to make sure that your, literally your website, is ready to be viewed on a phone. Now, what does that mean? First, it means that you have to make sure you have a mobile flyout menu ready to go. You might be wondering, Mark, what is a mobile flyout? The easiest way to figure out what a mobile flyout is is literally go to our website, smallchurch.media. You'll see those three little lines. You click those three little lines and you see the whole menu fly out. You would be shocked and amazed to see how many church websites are not even prepped for mobile viewing. And I'm not talking about like you can see it online, or has a separate website, which honestly looks even worse to be viewed online. But just the fact of what they they call a responsive design. How many church websites are not ready to be squished down onto a mobile device where it makes sense, it's still readable, it still flows, and people are able to find out what they need to find. So in order to see if your website is ready for mobile viewing, my first question is, is do you have a mobile navigation ready to go? Second question is, is your text even large enough to be read on a mobile device. I went to a business website the other day, all right? And we're talking like multi-million dollar business here. They had a mobile website, it was built, it was good. They had the typical, you know, mobile navigation. I clicked that menu, when the menu appeared, the text was so small, I didn't know what to do, and it was really hard to click on the actual thing. So my next question is, is not only is your website have a mobile menu, but do you also have it set up where the text is big enough to be functional on mobile, but then as you go through the web page itself, is your text large enough to be viewed on mobile? Another one that's an easy question, Question is, is is all of your content able to go into one very long scroll column or do I have to do any sort of weird pinching and zooming and all these different things to actually work your website? Because that's not actually cool. And then the last one is, is, do your images stay completely viewable inside of what is called the viewport? Insider speak, it's called the viewport. Everyday speak, it's your phone. There's so many websites where you're scrolling, all of a sudden you're like, that picture just looks weird and it doesn't make sense. And there must be these graphics and other things, but like half of it's cut off. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes you can like move your phone around in these really weird convoluted ways (laughs) to see the photo. But there's so many times specifically where churches, where they try to create a graphic and just upload it, put it to their website and don't think about seriously how people are gonna view it on their mobile device. so when I mean is your website ready for mobile viewing, I'm talking primarily visually is your website ready for mobile viewing. And in the church audit, when you go through what the actual first test is, I don't even just ask the question of does it is it visually ready for mobile viewing, but also – is it getting a good mobile web score? We'll talk about that more in future episodes, but what you have to think is, okay, does Google also say it's good enough for mobile? Because if Google says good enough for mobile, it's all right. But if Google's like, you know what? This website is junk. It's not ready to go for mobile. They will actually throttle it in their search engine. So you might be thinking, you know what, Mark? Yes, my mobile device is ready to go. It's kind of fully responsive, but does that mean it's actually ready to be viewed on a mobile device? That answer is yes, but maybe actually know because when your website gets shrunken down into that small little viewing screen, everything that you think, oh, the content's there, it has a whole menu, it's fine, it's whatever, but it just doesn't actually look good anymore on mobile. Something that you can do, this is just a quick little uh, tidbit to make sure you're ready to go, to make sure your website is ready to go for mobile viewing. The easiest way is, if especially for a small church with small budget, use a builder that is built to be used. Uh, I should say, use a builder that literally forces all of your stuff to go mobile friendly. My favorite builder for small churches is Squarespace, squ- squarespace.com. You can. They literally do all the work for you where you create your menu, then when it goes to a mobile device, it automatically formats everything the way it needs to go, including the size of your text. But a second tidbit is if you ever create a graphic for your church, never, ever, 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 ever put text on top of your graphic. But just the graphic and then use the actual text inside of your website builder to put the text on top of it. So that was test number one. Is it ready for actual mobile viewing? Here's the second test. And we kind of touched on this in the first test, but is your website ready for Google? There are a few different areas that you need to make sure your website is actually prepared for Google to find it. And those areas are does it actually load fast studies showed that if your website takes two to three seconds to load that's expect that that's actually considered average but if it goes more than five seconds for it to load on someone's phone people are just gonna go back and assume you don't have a website or they're not gonna waste their precious 10 seconds waiting for your website to actually load they need to see something as quickly as possible in that way because we're living literally living in a consumer culture where they're all about it's all about me and my time and my time so if your website is not loading fast people will go away and actually go somewhere else another area is does it actually have a pass or fail rating according to google google has this new thing that's called the google corb web vitals where basically they put your website into this quote-unquote test environment and then they actually kick out a score based on how your website performs online if your website spits out a score and it's actually good that means that Google won't give you any penalties. But if it comes back with your score in red, now I think you know there's an orange, but orange I would consider is okay, that's fine. But if it comes back in red, it's not good because Google will actually penalize your websites in its search results. Another area to make sure it's ready for Google is does your church have a Google business profile page? We used to call it Google My Business and the very first episode of this podcast is why your church needs a Google My Business page. It's now called Google Business Profile doesn't have that quite good of a ring to it. But the question still remains is, does your church have a Google business page set up for your church? Here's why you need that. First, it tells Google that your church is actually legit which then helps your church show up in people's search results. Second, it can help you collect reviews and ratings from your church people, which is something that I guarantee potential visitors will actually look at before they show up. And third, it helps get your church into what's called the map pack. So when people are searching for churches near me, you'll see that little section of you know Google where it's not just all the lists with the links and the titles anymore, but it actually visually shows all the churches in their area. If you get a Google business page, it makes sure that your church will show up in that local area when people are looking for churches near them. The last area, though, is the fact of, and this is kind of a big bonus tip, but does your church actually even show up in Google search results? You can have a website that is beautiful and functions well, but if Google does not see your website and they put it into their search engine. How do you expect people to actually find it? And I won't spend much time here, but you need to make sure that Google can find your website in the easiest way to see if Google can find your website is open what's called a private browser incognito window and literally type in church near me and see what comes up. You can also search part of your church name that's not your first, you know full church name. Like for example, like if your church name is Southside Baptist Church, just search Baptist Church near me and see if you come up. You can also search though your church's name and if there's no results that come up, we got a big problem. But if results come up and they start listing all your different pages, that's a good sign that yes, you are a at least in Google, which is awesome. Now, you might be asking, Mark, where do I go to figure out if all my tests are ready to go for Google? The easiest way is literally go to smallchurch.media and download the free PDF audit, free PDF website audit, because inside of that, it will actually show you the exact links you need to go to, so that way you can set up your Google business profile to check your page speed scores, and there's also a link to a YouTube video that I did not do, but somebody else said that is tremendous, to make sure that your website is actually inside of Google using something called Google Search Council. Now, most of you guys will probably never spend time inside of Google Search Council. Me, as a website developer, I'm in there daily with all of my clients. And if you're a website nerd and you want to make sure all these things are doing the way they're supposed to do, you can enjoy your time inside of Google Search Council. You might even be thinking, Mark, do I really even need to care if it's ready for Google? We've heard so many bad things about Google in terms of, you know, Google hates churches and uh, they're they're not about free speech and 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 this that and the other. Basically, why do we want to bow at the feet of Google, a company and agency who literally seems like they're out uh, out against Christians? And the answer is. That's where people are looking for churches. So in my opinion, suck it up, get a Google business page, and make sure it's performing the way Google wants your website to perform. That was the first two tests. The first test was, is it ready to be viewed on a mobile device? Second is, is your website ready to go for Google? And the third test that you need to do is, does the upcoming generation like your website? Question for you, who is your church trying to reach? Generally the answer is young families, <laughs> right? And you know, if you have any young families, which I would put millennials and gen z's in that category inside of your church, you could actually use those that those generations to literally audit your website for you. And here's two reasons, all right? Number 1 is it gets them involved with helping the church reach their generations and you know that they are going to enjoy that because if they're part of Christianity, they want to let their friends know about Christianity. Christianity, and if they can have a little bit of an inside scoop and have a little bit of help to make sure that the tools that their church is using are able to reach their generation, that is a Win. And they also just, you know, let's be honest, they know what they like, they know what works, and they can provide you insights into that. Because if you're trying to reach the millennials and you're trying to reach the Gen Z, and every single millennial Gen Z in your church looks at your website and goes, This sucks. This is pathetic. I can guarantee everyone else in their generation is actually going to do that. Now, when you have your upcoming generation go through their through your website, you need to make sure that you give them permission to be brutally honest. It can be a humbling experience for you to ask them to be brutally honest, but you if your website is not liked by your own church people. You can be sure that outsiders won't like it either. And what types of things should you have the upcoming generation look for in your website? Just have them get their opinions on the overall design. Do they like the images of the website? Does the website itself matches what the church's culture and in their words are? The vibe of what's happening in there. Does that do they do they do they go hand in hand or is the website super trendy but the church is not trendy or is the church super trendy but the website's not? That's something that you need to be aware of. Is the website, in their opinion, easy to navigate? Does the website actually answer the questions that they would want to know before they stepped inside of a church? And you know, would they be willing to actually tell their unsaved friends, "Hey, go check out my church's website"? Or would they be embarrassed to share your website with their, with, with literally their friends and upcoming generation? Now, usually people want to be very nice and just tell you, "Oh, it's fine, it's okay." Like you could do this better, but literally literally give them the permission to flat out be brutally honest. If they use the code words like, you know, like I think it's okay for now or like, well, it's bad, but these are code words for it's really bad. And I honestly just don't have the heart to tell you, but you know, let's just be honest here. At the end of the day, you got to make sure that the upcoming generation actually likes your website. And you got to make sure you do not skip this step in this test in the process because you can do everything to make sure your website is found on Google, that it performs well on Google, that it passes all the tests, that people can find it in the map pack, and that it's actually able to be used on a phone. But if your website doesn't even touch the hearts of people who are on the website. You just wasted your time and your money. Inside of this website audit, there is actually, I, I encourage you to print this out and actually fill it out, but I set this up where you could actually hand off literally page numbers on the bottom, page six to the upcoming generation. And you can print as many of these as you want, just that specific page and just field your people, field your kids, field your kids' kids. And just say, hey, can you go to our website and just answer these questions? It shouldn't take you more than 10 or 15 minutes. And what you're doing is actually having kingdom potential to help reach more people. Actually hand them this audit, let them fill it all out and receive the papers back because now they are also getting involved with the process. Of these tests. Now, if you are part of the upcoming generation, if you are a millennial, if you are Gen Z, or hey, let's just, you know, let's be nice. If you're Gen X as well, (laughs) you you can go through this audit as well. And I would encourage you to do that also. But make sure you get the upcoming generation involved with actually giving your website an audit. And here is the last and final test test number four to make sure that your church's website is doing its job. And that's simply one question. What story do the stats tell? What story do your website stats tell you? Now, this is where most pastors really don't, let's just be honest, spend a lot of time because stats can be confusing, they can be boring, and they honestly sometimes just seem like a waste of time. But I think it's wise to know where your church stats are actually at. In fact, as a part of my you know church maintenance plan, I actually send stats to my clients every single month because the stats tell the story about how effective your website actually is. Case in point, if you have a thousand people who find your church on Google, but you You have zero clicks, that means that there's actually a problem. If people are laying on your website and quickly run away from your website, that actually shows another problem. If people never see any of the other web pages outside of the homepage, that is also a problem because that means you are not doing something right. So first though, we have to figure out where your stats are even located for your website, and does your website actually are they actually tracking the stats now a lot of people all over the world including me we use google analytics to track our stats because that's the top analytics stat platform out there but if you're using a website builder like squarespace or wix or weebly those stats actually come built in so when you sign into your squarespace account or your wix account or your weebly account you can right there see all of your stats and i know a lot of you just see the stats and go oh that's a really cool line grab people are showing up you still gotta be able to read the stats and know what is going on. But if you're using a different company, like you know, like ShareFaith or the Church Co., they generally also have some sort of analytics built in. But if you're using just a WordPress website that you set up, you gotta make sure that you have stats actually, not just so you can view them, but that they're actually working. Cause I found so many people where they're like, I can't find my website stats, and I have to sadly tell them. Well that's because you don't have any website stats cuz you're not actually using any tools to track your stats. You can be doing so many different ways to track your stats. And honestly, do I have an opinion and a preference on which platform you should actually use to track your stats? To be honest, or to be on, to be honest, to be answer, is that what I said? <laughs> to be honest, the answer is actually no. What's more important is that you have stats set up and that you know how to read the stats to know what is going on. Inside of the website audit, I actually show you what the the various areas of what the stats need to show, including, you know, I have asked various different questions to help you break down the different areas of your website so that way you can understand what is actually going on and actually have your stats written down somewhere. But I want to run through what these five main, not even five main, but five areas of stats that I am using for this audit that you're going to be writing down. But also that way, you know how to understand what you wrote down. Because if I just say, write down what your bounce rate percentage is, and you write down what the bounce rate percentage is, according to Google Analytics, you're like, that's cool, Mark. I have absolutely no idea what that means. <laughs> I'm going to walk through the five areas where I'm having you, you know, actually audit your website and what that actually means for your website. There's five areas that you need to focus on for your church website, you know, specifically. The first one is the fact of just website visitors how many website visitors do you have? This tells you how many people actually landed on your website. Inside of Google Analytics and some other places as well, you'll see um, not just how many website visitors, but unique users. That's two different terms that you'll see, but they mean the same thing. If you see a unique user or a uh, first-time user, rather than just all the website viewers, that will basically just tell you, okay, so if you had five people hit your website, but you had 10 hits, that means that you know some of those five people are going on your website multiple times. So like for me, if I land on my website myself 20 times, it will say, hey, you had 20 website hits, woo-woo! But if you see unique visitors, it will just tell you one. But you need to know just in general, how many people are actually landing on your website and how many people are actually visiting your website. The second area is your page views. This means how many individual pages people are actually looking on your site. This shows two different things. Number one, it shows that people are going to other places on your website, which is good, but it also shows that people are spending time on your website, which is good. So you need to know how many website visitors you have and then how many page views you also have. Another one is your top channels or another way that some people say is your top referring. What are your top channels? This tells you where people are actually coming from. Are they coming from Google? Are they coming from Bing? Are they coming from Facebook? Are they coming from YouTube? Did they type it directly into the URL? Did they t- come from some other various website like... Um, Maybe you have an associational website. Or you're part of the denomination, Methodist Church, Southern Baptist Church. We have these huge church directories. Did they come from there? It's important for you to know where people are actually coming from, so that way you can actually ask the question: Are we doing our jobs in these different areas? If no one's coming from, to, from you, or if no one's coming to your website from Google, that means your Google is not set up properly. If you don't have a lot of people coming from Facebook, that means you might need to change your Facebook strategy, or this, that, and the other. But basically, it's really helpful to know where people are actually coming from and not just where people are coming from, but what device are they also using? Depending on what analytic platform, they might combine these two categories or they might separate them. But it's also helpful to see of where people are not just, you know, what source are they coming from, but what type of device are they actually using? Are they using a phone or are they using a desktop? Because chances are you'll see that most people are coming from a phone, which means you need to make sure your website is ready for mobile viewing. The fourth area for your stats is called the bounce rate. And this is actually one of the most important stats, in my opinion, for your church. What is a bounce rate? It's when someone lands on your website, they look at it for maybe a couple seconds, and then they leave they literally come and they go they come and they go and this actually kind of tells a, uh, not just tells you what's going on but actually paints a picture of what is going on with your website because if you can also see as a part of bounce rates of what's the average time spent on your website if you see people see that people quickly come to your website they're there for a few seconds and bounce right away that means your website is designed Poorly, or it also means that your website does not load fast enough for them. If people are on your website for a while and they just bounce and they leave, that means you're not redirecting people to where they need to go quickly. It might mean your menu is not set up well. It might mean your homepage doesn't link out to the various sections that it needs to. But the higher the bounce rate, when you see, if you see a 75% bounce rate or an 80% bounce rate, that means that 75 people who come to your website will bounce right away. And this is not a good thing for church websites. You want your church website to be built in such a way where people go to the homepage, maybe they see who the staff members are, they see what different ministries they are, they kind of are learning about the church. The lower your bounce rate percentage is, you can actually guarantee the more effective your website is because people are now interacting with your website to get, you know, answers to the questions that they have. And here's the last area, all right? So we went through website visitors, page views, the top channels, slash top referring, what your bounce rates and time spent online are. But the fifth one is, what are the most popular pages on your website? Now, does this mean your website is performing well or not performing well? No, not really. But it actually tells you, you just let's be honest, what are your most popular website pages that you have? And you know this is where people tend to want to go. And you can see where if a lot of people are going to your main hope let's just say a lot of people are going to your website and then they're going to maybe meet the staff page, but they're not really going to the children's ministry page or they're not really going to the our belief section. That could tell a story or let's be honest, it could just be, really cool about what's actually just going on with the website. If people are going to your church ministry or let's say like you're doing Facebook ads and you're doing these Facebook posts for your children's page, for your youth group or for maybe just some adult Bible study that you have, you can see that a people are bouncing off of that page really really fast or you can also just see that people are not really visiting those pages, which means you might need to do a couple different things on your website. It might mean you need to beef up the amount of content for each ministry that you have on your website. It might mean okay, we want more more people to get onto our children's ministry page. And to be honest, not a lot of people are landing on the children's ministry page. Maybe we need to bring the children's ministry page to the homepage of the website and put it up on a very high category, a high section, so more people can actually see it. If you can see which pages on your website are the most popular, that can encourage you in so many different ways, but it also tells you how people are actually coming to or how people are interacting with your website. But when it comes to your website stats, you need to know how your website is performing and how people are navigating your website in order to know how well your website is really doing. And in order to do that, you have to understand your church stats. So let's round all this up. Let's recap this whole episode. All right. So, what are the four tests that you need to put your website through to make sure that it's doing its job? Number one, test number one is your website ready for mobile viewing. Number two, is it ready for the Google? Number three, does the upcoming generation actually like your website? And number four, what stats does your website? Or not this? Not that. that let's back that up. <laughs> Number four, what story do the website stats tell? And I, again, we talked about this a lot in this episode, but I created a really free and I think well-designed resource. I think it's designed really, really well to help you put your website through these four tests. Cause at the end of the day, these four tests, I mean, they can be automated by some computer programs. You can use different bots to, you know, actually do these, these types of audits on your website. But at the end of the day, this is an audit that you can put your website through in literally a half hour. You can have some, lunch, put your website through this entire uh, these, these four tests. Use the downloadable PDF audit to put your website through these tests. And at the very end of the audit, you can actually ask the question of, does my website pass each one of these tests? And what should I do first? So just go to smallchurch.media, click the free resources tab. And on that free resource tab, you'll see the actual, you know, no, the the product right there where it's like the uh, small church website audit. Click that. You're going to go through a process where it's kind of feels like a checkout it, it, it's because it is, but it's completely free. I don't want to take your money. All I want is for you to and be able to take this resource and actually use it to make sure to, you know, that your website is doing its job. And you can use this resource many times, multiple times. You can tell your friends about this audit resource so that way they can make sure their websites are good to go. But I do want to just stop and talk about this this audit really quickly in this regard. The my my favorite part of this website audit is at the very end. There's a next step section where I already mentioned this a couple of seconds ago, but I want to make sure I touch on this, where there is a yes or no question for each one of these four tests, where it says, did you pass test one, test two, test three, and test four, where you can literally just check them off for yes, I passed it, and no, I did not. And at the bottom, it says, what are your next steps? Where do you want to begin? You can spend a lot of time. You can spend days, you can spend weeks, you can spend months on trying to create the perfect Website and have all of these different checklists of things that you need to do. And it can be a little crippling and a little, let's just be honest, paralyzing for you to take all these steps. And you're like, Mark, I don't have the time. I don't have the effort. I don't know how to do all of these different things. What should be the first step that I need to do? And I wanted to leave that into your hands. Because right here, if you see that you, you know, pass test two, you pass test three, you pass test four, but you do not pass test one, you can just know that's where you need to begin. If a millennial or Gen Z goes, dude, this website, just it's not good. It's trash. We need to rebuild it. That might be able to start a conversation with them and go, hey, do you know how to build websites? Can you help us along this process? But you might find yourself in a place where you're really stuck. You might just be thinking to yourself, Mark, I don't know where to begin. Our website just failed miserably in all these tests. What should I do? Where should I start? If you are a small church or if you are even a large church, I have so many different packages of different types of websites that we can build for your church. And I would love for you to reach out to me and just say, hey, Mark, I need help building my website. What can you do for me? And I have different rates for small churches. In fact, I advertise this one on the smallchurch.media website. If you're a church under 100 people and you just need to get either A, a new website up and running or B, you don't have a website and you just got to get something up, I have a special rate just for you guys, because let's be honest, you guys, this sounds really bad. It's going to sound really mean and condescending, but it is what it is. Small churches don't have tons of fluid money. Small churches are trying to keep the doors open. They're trying to pay the pastor a little bit, and small churches are trying to just do as much ministry as they can. There's not a lot of liquid funds to be able to do that. I have a special rate of just 600 bucks just to get your website up and running and out the door, and I work with you to get all the information that I need. You don't let the finger. I do everything for you, but if you are a large church and your website fails all these tests, you're like, Mark, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to start. Reach out to me, and we'll have a phone call or a Zoom call, whatever we need to do to have that conversation to make sure that your church website is doing its job. And what's its job again? Is to reach people, be the front door for your church so that way people can get the information that they need get the answers to the questions that they have and ultimately show up to worship with you on a Sunday morning. I said at the beginning of the episode, but we officially have an email for the Small Church Media Podcast and Small Church Media in general. So you can just email any questions that you have to hello at smallchurch.media. And I would love to have that conversation with you. You know, I say this at the end of every single episode and at the top of every episode, and I'm gonna say it again. I also realize that I know you hear my hand smacking in the background. <laughs> but again, if you listen over an Apple Podcast, it would mean the world to me if you left me a rating in review. Spotify, just leave the rating. That helps more people actually find this podcast in the algorithms. But if you're listening on any platform, it does not matter whether it's my website or some other audio platform, it would mean the world to me if you share these episodes with another small, pastor, or a small church pastor friend. Because at the end of the day, I know small churches are connected all over the place. The easiest way for me to continue to grow this podcast, we can reach more people and help more small churches use media well to grow their churches, not numerically. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to use media well to, yes, reach new people, but to also encourage and equip our own church members. I would love it if you just shared this episode or one of the other episodes with another small, uh, small church pastor friend that you know. But just like always, guys, I enjoy hanging out with you week in and week out here on the Small Church Media Podcast. I hope you have a great Easter service with your church family and come back next week for the Small Church Media Podcast. What are we talking about? Well, hey, (laughs) I guess you'll find out when you get there. Have a great Holy Week, guys. We'll see you next week. The Small Church Media Podcast is a part of Mark Hyde Creative.